Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Uh, do you desire more of God showing up in your life? Like, are you content with how things are and how things have been? Or would you like something a little different? Would you like a little more? Uh, the more conscious that you become of the Lord, uh, the more you'll actually see him working and moving in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. First Corinthians chapter two, verse 14, and then we'll turn over to John. First Corinthians chapter two, verse 14. How's it been going? How do you like spending some extra time seeking the Lord? Uh, just uh, putting some other things aside. It's amazing when you give the Lord something. He always gives us more. I know in my own prayer life, Whenever I have something that's pressing need and I really want to ask the Lord about it. But if I, when I pray, I always pray being led by the Spirit of God. Well, I shouldn't say that. It makes it sound like I'm amazing. I always try to do uh, <laughs> Ephesians 6.18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Literally in the Greek, it means praying always, being led by the Spirit, or as the Spirit leads you with all manner of prayer or all kinds of prayer. Well, you know, there's actually more than one type of prayer. And if you try to pray the prayer of consecration and dedication to receive healing, you'll say, uh, Lord, if it be your will, heal me. Yet we know his will because his word is his will. And, you know, his word makes such, brings such clarity to the issue of bodily healing. Amen. That by the stripes of Jesus, we were healed. Not we will be healed. We hope we're healed. If we do everything perfect, we'll be healed. No, no, no. He knew we couldn't do everything perfect. So he said, you know what? I'll just heal them ahead of time. <laughs> Before they even show up on the scene, before the devil tries to make a sickness that could overtake them, I'm going to actually cause a cure that goes beyond anything the devil could try to pervert. And it's called the stripes of Jesus and the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus. And so... By the stripes of Jesus, you were healed. Himself took our infirmities. Himself. He himself. Jesus Christ himself took our infirmities and took our sicknesses, bore them on his own body. Literally, in the Greek, it says he nasa'd them. You guys know I love that, NASA? Because I grew up in the era of when the space shuttle was a big deal. We watched the Challenger go up in school in January. It just happened, what? Like, it's just an anniversary. Right? It just happened, right? of the, that, that disaster. We watched it live in school. I remember they rolled in this big tube television. Eddie? It, was, it means that it was like really thick like this and wide, and it was super heavy. And they had these big carts, you know, that you'd roll them in on. So we watched it in our school library. But NASA in the Greek means liftoff. 
And so Jesus himself, he didn't have someone else do it. He himself lifted off your sickness, your disease, your pains, your broken bones, your broken body. In fact, his body was broken and bruised for our health and healing and completeness and soundness. If you didn't know those scriptures, if you just looked at the word of God in completeness and in context, you would find out that in the beginning, there was no sickness and no disease until mankind sinned and opened the door to the devil. And then if you could go back over to Revelation and find out that when we get to heaven, there will be no sickness, no disease, no tears. So it seems like in the era of life or the part of life where the devil has been involved, the dispensation where the devil has, uh, as Ephesians says, is the God of this world's world. Literally, you should think of it as world system. Well, when the devil is reigning in the world or where the devil reigns, sickness and disease are present. Or I should say, have access. Well, you know, you're no different. So Jesus came and what did he do? He took every one of those sickness, every one of those disease, every category, they say. You know, he was uh, whipped with 39 lashes and they say that you can divide every sickness, disease, ailment to known to man into 39 different categories. And Jesus, by his stripes, we were healed. By his brokenness, by his bruising, he healed us. And he set us free. He took it on himself, his own body. So don't think I have to endure this. I have done something. You know, I've messed up so bad I deserve this. Or the Lord is trying to teach me something. You know, Jesus said that, right? In Revelation chapter 23. I will teach you with sickness and disease. If you don't know the Bible, there is no Revelation chapter 23. And for me to say that, it says actually a curse could come on me. Not because I'm repeating it like this. But what I'm saying, uh, you ought to be careful adding to the scriptures that God put sickness there to teach you. Do you know what God put there to teach you? I should say, do you know who? Yeah. Jesus in John chapter 14, John chapter 15, John chapter 16, uh, 14. And he, when he, the spirit of truth, is come... He will guide you into all truth. You don't have need that any man teach you, but my spirit will teach you. The Holy Spirit, Paul said, will teach us. So sickness is not the teacher. I mean, think about it. Uh, did the Lord need the devil's help to teach you something? So let me, hey, Satan, can you send me some sickness and disease because... Uh, Melody's not learning this thing, so I need, I need you to get involved because I, I apparently can't do it. Well, no, that doesn't make any kind of sense. What is that? That is natural human thinking and reasoning. If God is a good God, wait a minute, if I was healed by his stripes, well, then why do I feel this in my body? Why do I see this on my body? Well, it must be God is wrong, because I can't be wrong. <laughs> Certainly, I know I am trusting the Lord. 
I said to Pastor Mark one time, I was preaching at the church in Michigan on Wednesday nights a lot, and uh, man, I get nervous. And uh, you know, the Lord knows your um, weaknesses. And so when I was at Ramah, uh, and growing up in church, I played the piano. And I shouldn't say that because you expect me to play something. It wasn't that amazing. Okay. And so um, my brother was a technical guy. He ran sound. And if there was a little camera, he'd do a camera. At that time, it was a VHS camera, you know, high tech. And um, so I, I didn't really get into the technology side of things. And when I was at Raymond first year, I felt in my heart, you know, you, you need to be an usher. So I ushered for about 13 months. And then all of a sudden, suddenly, God works in suddenly. It's like suddenly the Holy Ghost fell. Well, suddenly I had this desire to run a camera. Well, you might, if you know me now, you're like, oh, that's normal. You like all that stuff. No, I was not into that at all. You know, I, I mean, I like uh, technology, I guess, uh, but um, I like computers. I just wasn't into video and audio. And so um, I went to the um, director of the television show they had there, and he was uh, substituting for a class. I had a speech class at, at Bible school. And I said, uh, would I, you know, do you guys have any openings? He's like, well, come see me or such and such. Well, I found out later that they don't normally do that. They don't allow that. But anyhow, the Lord opened his heart. And so... I um, started volunteering, and I volunteered for a while there, and um, then ended up going on staff, long story short. But uh, the reason I say that is I was assigned to run the handheld camera. And so if you've ever seen the Raymond Auditorium, you can see it on a lot of Kenneth Hagin videos and stuff like that. Well, it's this big green uh, platform, and I think the platform itself is five or 6,000 square feet. It's huge. And so I was assigned the handheld camera, which was right over at that time. They used to have ministers sit on the platform. Isn't it nice that they don't do that anymore? Okay. Yeah. Anyhow, <laughs> anyhow, they have ministers sit on the platform. So I had to run the camera that was by them. And then if there was a healing line or they go to the crowd and minister to anybody, I was, I was videoing. But I would always be up there on the platform, which is like this tall. And I don't like to be in front of people. Doesn't the Lord have a sense of humor? And so doing that... That actually helped me get over some of the uh, anxiety that I had of being in front of people because I was in front of like three or 4,000 people every week. And I, you know, at first you thought it's very self-centered. You're like, everybody's looking at me. Nobody's looking at the camera guy. <laughs> you know, like, everybody's looking at only only when you mess up. And then everybody's looking at you. <laughs> They're like, wow, what do you do? Uh, Lynette Hagen. So there's Kenneth Hagin Sr., his wife Aretha, and they have both gone to heaven. And then his son, Kenneth Hagin Jr., is pastor of the church, Pastor Hagin. And Brother Hagin never pastored that church, the, the, the senior. And his wife's name is Lynette. So uh, I have a claim to fame with Lynette Hagin, and that is um, I, I was running handheld camera, and you have a, a wire, a big triaxial cable. And so this wire would be attached here. But you'd have to move fast, so you have to get your cable, or you have to get it out of the way. And so I didn't see anybody coming, so I'm right there on the edge of the platform. And so I grab this cable, and I whip it like this. So this whole bundle of cable comes, and it's, it's, it's heavy cable. And it's flying. Have you done cameras? So you know what it is? Yeah. And so this, this, this triax, and it was a real flexible, nice triax. And so it's flying. And all of a sudden, as I look... There is Miss Lynette Hagen. And this whole thing of cable comes in the air flying like a straight line and curls as it hits her in the chest. Well, she's like the one that runs that whole thing, if you don't know. And so my first thought is, I'm fired. That's it. 
And so I said, oh, Miss Hagen, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me, you know. She's like, you know, she has the best face. You know, she's always, no matter what's happening, she's like, you know, she could always smile. And so I didn't know, like, you know, am I going to, my boss messed with me. He's like, you're gone. You're gone. You're so gone. And uh, so she, um, later I found out she was going on the road traveling and she would just tell that story everywhere she went and laugh and laugh. That's good. So anyhow, it helped me get over the fear of being in front of people. So sometimes uh, you think, like, why am I doing this? You know, and we don't understand altogether uh, what the Lord is doing. But then when I was in Michigan, Pastor Mark came. I was teaching Wednesdays, and I, so I said to him, I still had some fear, you know. <laughs> and so I said, um, I'd gotten better, but not a ton better. And so I said, uh, how do you not be nervous when you get up to, to minister? And uh, he said, well, are you... Uh, Studying? And I said, yes. So apparently if you don't study, you'd be nervous. He said, are you praying? I said, yes. So apparently if you don't pray, you might be nervous. You know, a workman studies, show yourself approved. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, right? Paul told Timothy. And so uh, he said, like, after I answered those two questions, he said, point blank, you need to walk in love. And I thought... Of course, I'm a believer. Every believer needs to walk in love, but that is not my problem. <laughs> I mean, I could improve, of course. We could always improve, you know. Uh, and so, so I gave him some more things. I said, well, I'm doing this, this, and this, almost like he didn't even say that. And I said, so is there anything? He's like, you need to walk in love. <laughs> well, I was a little offended. And I thought, you don't think I'm walking in love? So, you know, I'm not even looking to the Lord when he's saying this. So later I looked to the Lord and I realized, oh, you know, you're not. You know, because you're more conscious of your nervousness than what you could feed or sow a seed into someone else. So it's real important that we are open to the Lord and we're yielded to the Lord and we're listening to what he has to say. And so if, if we look over, where do I have you turn? 1 Corinthians? 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians chapter, well, where's my notes? Yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. First Corinthians, I'm using a different notes app this week, so it's confusing me. Mm. You know, oh, this is dangerous, but I'm going to start with verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. In other words, I'm telling you about God and what he's done and what he does. And I'm not doing it with excellency of speech. So I'm not trying to be like the most polished orator or the most uh, seasoned public speaker, he said. For I determined to know nothing among you except or save, King James says, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Uh, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. What would happen in the church if we all determined to know nothing among men except Jesus Christ and him crucified? Like, well, I don't know the answer to that. I know Jesus Christ and him crucified. Uh, I, know, I know about the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Well, maybe you wouldn't have the answer to every situation before somebody can actually express their heart and you'll shut them down. I know Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
I can't go too far there because we don't have time. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect or mature, you could say, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that are come to nothing." But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Your eye hasn't seen it. Your ear hasn't heard it, neither has it entered into your heart the things that God has prepared for you and for every man, man, mankind. Hmm. But God has revealed them to us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all the things, yes, the deep things of God. You, you, let, me, let me tell you where I'm going because we're getting short on time. Are you hungry and are you thirsty? They that hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled, Jesus said. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you, Psalm 63, in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Hallelujah. What does that mean? You know that you're a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. You're a three-part being. And you cannot fellowship with God through your body, and you cannot fellowship with God through your mind. You have to fellowship or draw near to God in spirit and in truth. John chapter 4, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. So the Lord is looking for those who will draw near to him and worship him in spirit and in truth. And if you're trying to take this time and seek the Lord uh, through, the, through your flesh and fellowship with the Lord through your flesh, well, you're not going to get real intimate with the Lord. Now, we are a three-part being. Paul said, I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, your whole being be preserved without blame, without shame, until we see Jesus come, no matter what's going on in your life, your whole spirit, soul, and body. Well, he's talking every part of your being. And when we study it, we say, well, okay, here's a spirit, here's a spirit, here's a soul, soul's mind, will, and emotions, here's a body, a body is a body. I think most people know what a body is. <laughs> but in practice, you do not separate the three. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. <laughs> so... <laughs> Why do I say that? Well, it helps you to understand, well, I must not be a Christian because how in the world could I want to do that? Well, that is your flesh, darling. 
That is not your spirit. Your flesh desires that. <laughs> Read in Galatians the works of the flesh sometime, and you'll think, I thought those were demonic. <laughs> no, those are the works of the flesh. <laughs> you thought, that had to be the devil. <laughs> well, there is a devil. And you, you act in the flesh, and you're open up, you open up yourself to his activity. Yeah. Because he's the God of this world system, and your flesh uh, yields to this world system if you don't put it in subjection. Uh, to, how? Unto Jesus Christ. I, Paul said, I, I bring my body into subjection. Lest I myself should be a castaway when I've preached to other people. I keep my body in subjection. And so you're a three-part being, but, but you know, you're going to start worshiping the Lord, and the Spirit of the Lord is going to like, uh, uh, you know, your spirit is going to like that. Yeah. Brother Hagin would say he's turning flips on the inside. I'm turning flips on the inside. That means I've got a witness. There's something going on on the inside. And then what happens? It starts affecting the outside. And then, like, your emotions get involved and all of these other things that sometimes we kind of separate out and think, well, emotions are bad. Emotions are bad. Well, no, bad emotions are bad. <laughs> <laughs> and just because you have a good emotion doesn't mean you're acting in line with the word. <laughs> emotions are fickle. But you know what? When you, when you just act on what God has said because you believe in his character and you believe in his authority and you say, you know what? God is true and every man a liar. <laughs> I don't care what they say. I don't care how many of them say it. If God said something different, God is true and every man's a liar. Yeah. Let God be true and every man a liar. Mm -hmm. You know, you become like your friends and those people you hang out with. Do you know you can hang out with people now on Facebook <laughs> and Twitter and Instagram? I mean, the quality of your friendship is really minimal if that's all you're doing because it's like, it's like somebody driving in a car. Why do people have road rage? Because somehow they think that car makes nobody know who's, who that is. <laughs> Same thing online, and people say all kind of stuff, uh, all kind of uh, uh, hatred uh, is over there and, and deception as well. And so uh, you're a three-part being, and when you act in line with the Word... Your emotions may not be there. You may be like, this is the day the Lord has made. It sure doesn't feel like he made this day. <laughs> but if you in faith declare it, today is going to be a good day. How about today is a good day? Today, I am following God himself because he himself has come to live on the inside of me. And as much as he has the ability to make a person be able to commune with himself, that's how much ability I have to commune with God. In other words, you're designed for this relationship. In the beginning, God, and God is a spirit, and God created man as a living what? Spirit. And then Jesus said, they that worship him, John chapter 4, must worship him in spirit and in truth. Some people want to like, I'm just going to worship in spirit and I'm just going to, I feel just inspired by this. You know, the word and the spirit agree. 
And so you can get really flaky if you get outside the word. <laughs> and, and I have news that is not the Holy Spirit. He is not flaky. The Holy Spirit doesn't even come up with anything himself, Jesus said. Whatever he hears, that's what he's saying. And what he's hearing is he's hearing the Father and the Son. And then he makes it real to you in your situation. Uh, John chapter 14. That's where Jesus is talking about that. Okay, man, we haven't got there. Okay. But, the Spirit, but God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. In other words, the deep things. Uh, for the Spirit searches the deep things of God. Uh, verse 11. For what man knows the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? You ever try to figure out yourself? <laughs> no, I cannot figure out what my issue is. I know somehow it's me, but I cannot figure out what it is. Well, you're trying to look according to the flesh and reason according to the natural mind. But if you look to the spirit on the inside, your spirit has become one spirit with wisdom. Do you understand? The spirit of the Lord. Even so, the things of God knows no man but the Spirit of God. You can't understand the things of God with your natural mind. You have to have, I have to have, the Spirit of the Lord. So when we're hungering and thirsting after God, we're going to have to do it from our heart, from the center, the most deep part of who we are, which is our spirits. You ever been reading scripture and your head is like, I don't understand that at all. But something on the inside is like, yes, yes, yes. There's something there. You need to see that. Well, don't just let that slip by you. You spend some time chewing and meditating on that. You know what I do? Uh, gee, the, the word says, God says, put me in remembrance. Remind me. God said, remind me. <laughs> God said he needs to be reminded. Well, I didn't say he needs to be. He said he wants you to remind him. So what I do, if I don't understand the scripture, but something on the inside, like there's something there, there's something there, I will say, I'll remind the Lord, you said, Jesus himself said, when he was here on the earth, that he would send the teacher, the Holy Spirit, to teach me and the spirit of truth or reality. So I'm expecting you by your spirit right now to make this real to me and to give me light and revelation and understanding because that's what you said you would do. I think I said, I don't know if it was Wednesday or Sunday, but you know, uh, a wonderful key to seeking the Lord is that you come humbly, you come honestly, and you ask the Lord to teach you. Because he will teach you by his spirit. So I, as a minister, I endeavor to flow with the Holy Spirit so that, um, like Paul said, I'm not teaching you with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Well, that would lead you to believe, well, you... you <clears throat> Uh, I could teach you, if I had that ability, <laughs> in the wisdom of men. But then your faith is in the wisdom of men. Then your faith is in me, what I'm saying. Well, you know, I, I don't have any power to heal anything. Your faith ought to be in God and in the power of God. 
right. Verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So without the Holy Spirit, you're not going to know the things that are freely given to us of God. So if you try, you know, you cannot get any closer to the Lord Jesus Christ, to the Word of God, than you are to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes the Word real. He makes Christ real. You cannot come to God. No man can come to God except the Lord first draw him. And how does he draw? He draws by his Spirit. And so, you know, the New Testament was written by Spirit-filled believers, Two spirit-filled believers. It's like a spirit-filled covenant. Why? Because uh, we need the Holy Spirit. Man, praise the Lord. I might have to go another week. Okay. Verse 13. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual but the natural mind, this is what I was trying to get to, but the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. Now if I can read my notes, figure out my notes, I'm going to read it to you in another translation. NASB. But a, a natural in parentheses, it says, soulish man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually apprised. So if you have friends, or if you yourself, or you have family, that say, well, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get all that. I, I, I don't understand that. What is this Holy Spirit stuff? And what is this uh, taking authority? And what is this speaking? I don't get that. You know, it's very possible that they have, they're a soulish person or a natural person. Does that mean that they're not a Christian? No. Unless they're not a Christian. <laughs> but you can be a Christian and you can be a natural person. In other words, you're just living out of that side of your being. You know, I feel hot. I feel cold. I, you know, I don't think, um, you know, no, I don't want to move there because I don't like the weather there. Yet you have a leading on the inside. Well, if you don't move there because of the weather there, you're a natural person. Living a natural life and you'll get natural results. But you can actually get supernatural results in your life. If you live by faith, if you live by what you hear God say and what you see God do, and Jesus said, this is the way to do it. Yeah. He said, I have come to be an example for you. I only do what I see my father do, and I only say what I hear him say. Mm -hmm. The words that I speak are not mine, but my father's who is in heaven. That is awesome. So you don't have to have all man's wisdom and a bunch of man's wisdom and figure out what, oh, you know, be the smartest person and then you'll find out later you're not. There's always somebody smarter. Somebody by what the world considers prettier. Somebody that the world considers, somebody faster. 
you know, I was shocked when they broke the four-minute mile. But now, you know, they're down to, I don't know, maybe they're less than three now. But they're down to three-something. You know, running. I'm talking about running. Humans. <laughs> Humans running. <laughs> I know what I was talking about. <laughs> if you'd have been spiritual, you would also oh. know. <laughs> But the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And then let's, let's finish here um, with John chapter 6, verse 35. John chapter 6, verse 35. Maybe we should just finish where I was. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. I have written in here, so I write where it says life, and it's the Greek word zoe. I actually write that because it means more to me. I am the bread of zoe. He that comes to me shall never hunger, and he that believes on me will never thirst. So if you're hungry, if you're thirsty, or you want to be hungry, or you want to be thirsty, and you want to be satisfied... You have to come to the Lord Jesus and you have to believe on the Lord Jesus. I don't mean if you've not been born again. Of course, if you've never been born again. But I mean as a born again believer, if you're thirsty, if you're hungry, Jesus stood up in the temple, the Feast of Tabernacles. He actually stood up on the, on the steps of the temple. And in that, in that, Sarah, that, uh, Remembrance Feast of Tabernacles, they would have vessels full of water at the top of the temple steps. And what they would do is they would, as that ceremony commenced, they would knock all of those vases full of water, huge. They'd knock them down, and all that water would come cascading down the steps. This signifying the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus... At that feast, he stood up and he said, I like how Donald G says it. He says, when Jesus shouted, because the Bible actually says he got up with a loud voice and he said, is anybody thirsty? Come unto me and drink. And out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. When we come to him and when we drink, there is a source of life that is not of this world and not produced by this world, but its source is the very throne of God. And those rivers of living water will come forth and flow forth out of your innermost being and provide life to your marriage and provide life to your finances and provide life to your body and provide life to your relationships and to your spirit. If anybody's thirsty, Jesus said, let him come unto me and drink. Remember the woman at the well of Samaria? That's what we've talked about in John chapter 4. God's a spirit. Remember? She said, uh, he said, I'll give you water where you never have to draw again. Well, she's a natural man thinking natural thoughts. But he's a spiritual man declaring spiritual realities. And he said, if you drink of this water... You're never going to have to come and be thirsty again because this water will be, be in you, a well of water springing up unto everlasting life, which is Aeonius Zoe.
It is the life and the nature of God, which is unending. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand with me. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we just turn our hearts in our hearts. Turn your heart, turn your mind, turn your emotions to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you ask Him. The Word of God actually says, if you asked for the Holy Spirit, the Lord's not going to give you a serpent or a scorpion, but He will give His Spirit to those that ask Him. Well, if you're here this morning, every head bowed and every eye closed, and you're not born again, you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you'd like to, just slip up your hand. We want to pray with you. We want to pray for you. And more importantly, God wants you in His family. If you're here this morning, you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. There is an experience after salvation called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And in this experience, you become immersed in the Spirit of God and you shall receive power, Jesus said, after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Power to be a witness. Power to live life for Christ. If you'd like to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, slip up your hand. Hallelujah. And if you... Um, we're in the house of the Lord, but you let other things come in and crowd out your, and mess up your relationship with the Lord. Uh, you're out of fellowship with the Lord and you like to come back. Slip up your hand. I'd love to pray with you and love to pray for you. God is a good God all the time. He's always good. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for your word. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, we give you thanks, Father. We give you thanks that you sent your word, that you didn't leave us without solid ground, that you didn't leave us without life, but you sent us your word, and that your word brings understanding and light and life, and that you actually healed us by your word. You sent your word, and you healed us and delivered us, that you set us free from the power of sickness and the power of disease and the dominion of darkness, that we're not under the dominion of the kingdom of darkness, but we've been translated into the kingdom of light and the kingdom of your dear son. Oh, Father, you are good. Every way about you, every thought that you have towards us, everything that you do, every way that you have provided. Father, you're a good God. Oh, thank you that you're good and that you're not evil, that your thoughts are to help us, not to harm us, not to hurt us, but to give us a hope and a future. Oh, we declare that you are good and your mercy endures forever. It lasts forever. Your mercies are new every morning, every day, new mercies, every day, new grace, every day new opportunities every day Father we thank you that though the outward man perishes yet our inward man is renewed day by day day by day rest and refreshing day by day new health and strength and life oh Father thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you oh thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you oh we thank you we thank you we thank you we thank you oh hallelujah 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 Thank you, Father. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Glory, 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 glory. You are good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. In Jesus' name, let's just sing this song together. You deserve the glory.
to each one right now, Father. Oh, Father, give insight, give revelation, give light, light in the darkness, freedom, freedom in the name. Hallelujah. You deserve all the glory, all the glory.